0: Good morning. Hey, there I am. Alright. Thank you, Eddie, so, so much for, uh, he's taking on a lot this morning. This is kind of his week off, but he's doing <laughs> pretty much everything. But, uh, and I'll tell you, I've known Rick a long time and I sure appreciate that testimony. That's, uh, that's so encouraging to hear. Did you lose me? Okay. So encouraging to hear Rick's testimony. Appreciate that so much. Uh, we're gonna be pretty much the end of Luke chapter 10, the beginning of Luke chapter 11. We're going to be pretty well camped out there this morning. I'll share some other scriptures, but that's, uh, that's our base camp for today, where we're on our little uh, adventure here through this message. So Luke chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 38 here in a minute, I'll give you a chance to get there, and we're also going to open in a word of prayer. All right, let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Start this off, uh, make sure we start in the right way. Lord, thank you so much for today, all that you're doing. Lord, I pray that you speak this word. Lord, this is your message, and that you do with it what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So this is the account at the end of Luke chapter 10. So Mary and Martha, we also know they have a brother named Lazarus they're referred to several times in the gospel. Jesus is in their home. Martha is busy working. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. And Martha is not doing anything wrong. She's doing things that need to be done, but that's where she's focused on. And She's so focused on things that need to be done, she's missing out on the personal relationship with God. Mary is sitting there listening to the Lord, learning from Him, and Jesus says, that is the one thing that is needed. The title of my message today is, What Do You Need?, and I'm very excited about what's going on here at Wellspring, both locations. We've got so many things going on. This ministry council where we're going through our church vision, systematically, carefully building that, and we're going to be moving forward with the top priorities that we need for a church. That's fantastic. We are more connected to our communities. We're doing outreach every Saturday and Alternating locations, but we are, we are going door to door and doing things. We're getting more connected. We're, we're meeting people in the neighborhoods who are, oh, I didn't even know there was a church there, even around the Henderson location. I, I didn't know you guys were still there. Yeah, yeah, we're still here. We're getting connected. We're doing things. We are partnering with other churches and doing community events. And I know many of the recent sermons, Including my own, and these are very good things that have been encouraging us to, to do things in the Lord. And that, all of that's great, and this message is just gonna fit right in there, but this, is a re- this message is the reminder of, in order to do those things, we gotta be fueled by a personal relationship with God. Our personal walk has gotta be fueling that work. If it's not, we're gonna end up like Martha we're going to end up overwhelmed by all the things we're doing and missing the one thing we need, which is sitting at the Lord's feet and and talking to Him. And something we want to make sure, so, that in mind, what do we want to make sure we don't do, because it's our human nature to do, is we'll let doing things for the Lord end up taking the place of our personal relationship with Him. The prayer or the Bible reading, the things get kind of fade off to the side. Well, I'm doing, I'm I'm good with the Lord because I'm doing all these things. am doing all these activities. And that ends up, that can take the, start to take the place of our personal walk with the Lord. And then we're going to end up at that point of frustration that says, Lord, I, I need more help. I'm frustrated with all these things going on. Lord, don't you care that I'm doing all of this for you? Where where are the things that I need? And the Lord's saying, There's one thing you need. You need to spend some time with me. Those things are great. Those works are great. I'm excited about it. This sermon's this sermon's kind of interesting because there's nothing in this sermon that I'm going to tell you that you're doing wrong. But it's just we gotta get those priorities right, where we're doing ministry fueled by a personal walk with the Lord. We've talked about it, uh, even as leadership recently, not letting good get in the way of great. That's exact, and that's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about today. Hey, works, works are great, but we gotta be fueled by that personal relationship. We gotta have that personal walk with the Lord. Every one of us needs that. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him, and I'm going to equate that to our personal walk with the Lord, whereas Martha's doing good things, but she's getting exhausted and worn out about it and stressed about it. So i got a question for you. Do we do things for God, or does he do things through us? Are we doing the things for him, or is he working through us? And there's Because there's a difference between those two. We can, we can do, we can try to do things in our own strength for the Lord. We'll either be exhausted or we'll be prideful and re- think very highly of ourselves and either way we're going to have a problem. Or we recognize God's doing things through us and His strength and power is flowing through us, then we can really do something. So John 5, excuse me, John 15 verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is Jesus speaking, John 15:5 and he says he uses this analogy of vine and branches. And if you know anything about plants, trees or anything, all the nutrients come up through roots and through the main stem, through the vine. Branches can't do anything on their own. They're fed through from the source through the roots and through the vine. You take you take that source away; those branches are not going to survive. They're going to die. Jesus uses that analogy. Says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." That's a pretty definite statement, isn't it? It's not kind of like, "Well, you'll you'll, you'll kind of do okay." Or you, you would be better with me. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we better be connected to him if we're doing anything, trying to do anything for him. Now this talks about us doing work. So all of this I want to make sure, sh- I want to make sure before we move forward we're very clear that this is not an anti-doing things. Like we're not, this is not an anti-Martha message where, oh, stop doing things. No, of course not. Scripture's full of things that we should be doing. This is a making sure we're getting our strength from the daily walk with the Lord, making sure we all realize not relying on just the church feeding us, making sure we have that personal walk with the Lord. What's a personal relationship mean? What is a personal walk with the lord like What, what do I mean when I say that? Prayer, worship. Fasting, Bible reading, giving, I would even put in there. Things that it's not necessarily. This might sound strange, bear with me here. Our personal walk with the Lord are things, prayer, are our interaction with the Lord directly. Things that we use at times to try to substitute for that are going to church or doing ministry or listening to speakers or teaching and say, oh, Jason, those things are good. Absolutely. Those things are very good. But that's not a substitute for spending time with the Lord. It can help you. It can be good for your spiritual growth, but it can't be a substitute for actually spending time with God. Simple example. Hey, I'm listening to good teaching and speakers and things. That's wonderful. But... If I listen to someone, let's say um, Eddie is telling me things about, is talking to me about Rick. Is that the same thing as me spending time with Rick, hearing it from another party? It's not, is it? You know, it's it's a little tricky to think that to think like that, but that's that's what we do sometimes. We go, well, I'll just fill up my time with uh, with listening to people talk about God. Good, assuming it's biblically sound teaching. Good but there needs to be some of that time where you actually spend time with God. You you pray, you acknowledge Him, you worship Him. There better be some personal interaction there. I want to focus on three areas when I'm talking about personal relationship. I want to narrow it down. Focus on three areas. Prayer, Bible reading, and giving. When I say giving, I'm kind of thinking, well, you might think like me at first, well isn't that something we do in with church like what do you why is that personal we'll get to that cover that but giving our what we what and how we choose to give is part of our personal relationship with God but i want to start first with prayer so we already were talking about Mary and Martha at the end of chapter 10 of Luke and as i was develop as i was developing the sermon or as I often feel like the Holy Spirit kind of gives me bits and pieces, so I feel like I'm more discovering what He's telling me more so than making it myself. I knew I should start with Mary and Martha, and I knew I needed to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And I was kind of like, how do I tie those together? And then I read in Luke, they follow each other right afterwards. Right at the end of chapter 10 is the Mary and Martha, and the beginning of chapter 11 is the Lord's Prayer. It's one of those things when I look at it, I get excited knowing that the Lord is confirming what he was already speaking to me. So at the beginning of Luke chapter 11, I'll just go ahead and read it. But basically his disciples are coming to him asking how to pray. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as taught, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I hope what jumps out there right away is they've asked, Hey Jesus, how do I how do we pray? And he gives them a relatively short prayer it's actually remarkably short it's a very it's remarkably efficient too he covers a lot in a very few words but if we were expecting this grand yeah there's this part of us that might expect this this prayer should take chapters it should be some big ordeal and he says here's here's my example to you to pray I'm going to sum it up in about five points. It, st- it starts with praise and worship. It asks for God's will. It asks for His provision. Ask for forgiveness, and it asks for deliverance. And I would also call that growth as well. He starts off praising our Father who's in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Ask for asks for provision of daily bread. Forgiveness of sins. And then ends with, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. A desire for growth moving forward. Remarkably short prayer for something that you would be his example to us. And I will tell you a personal, before I even move on in my notes, I want to share with you some personal experience. There's a chapter in my life, a time where I really tried to take on all these teachings I had heard about prayer and tried to do all of them. It would probably sound impressive. Hey, I would have been a teenager at the time trying to spend sometimes like three hours a day in prayer. And you think, oh, that must have been wonderful. You must have been so close to God. No, not really. It was very works-driven. It was very following other people's formats. It was very impersonal. At the, to the point I got so frustrated with it, I stopped doing that and just started talking to God. And that was fantastic. Are those, are those programs or those teachings, or were they wrong? No, they're not wrong. But it did not lead me into a personal relationship with God. It was somebody else's format, and all I was doing with it was just following a format, not really talking to God. So when I talk about prayer, my prayer life to a large extent is talking to God throughout the day. He actually is with us all the time. Work, home life. He's with. Us. I I see things happen during the day, and I'll go. I'll just thank Him. Something worked out well at work. I just talk. Just talk to Him. He's He's always there give him thanks, ask something that will come to my mind, and I'll ask him to, to help somebody else or help me with a situation. It's a relationship. That's how the Bible can tell us to pray without ceasing, or some translations say pray continually. That's in First Thessalonians 5. It says pray without ceasing, and how could we ever do that? Because it's a lifestyle. It's a pattern that builds intricately into your life acknowledging He's there. And He's given us this amazing gift of being able to know Him. He paid the price for what separated us and has brought us back together. Now we can talk to Him. Whereas before, it was entering through a temple or it through a religious process to pay for our sins. Now our sins are paid for and we can have a relationship with Him. And he, throughout Scripture, describes, especially in the New Testament, describes prayer as this relationship. Because on the one hand, he tells us, pray without ceasing. On the other hand, in Matthew 6, he warns us against babbling like the pagans do. That feeling like, believing that they will be heard for their abundance of words. Like, well, okay, how do I reconcile these two? Praying without ceasing is is this communication with God throughout Throughout our day, throughout our lives. And what keeps us from the babbling part of just keeping on saying the same things, you don't do that in any other area of your life, do you? Any other relationship you have, just keep saying the same things over and over again. No, there's, there's an interaction. He goes on to say in Matthew 6, your Father already knows what you have need of before you even pray. That's amazing. Before we go to him, he already knows what we need. That means he's paying attention to us. That right there is a fantastic truth. He's already paying attention to us, yet we still he, he's engaged in this relationship. It's up to us to, to be the to be the other part of that relationship, but he's already in. He's already all in. He's already paying attention. So when you talk about prayer, though. People will say, "Well, how how much? How often? How much time per day? How how is it every day? How do you, how do you you know?" The Bible really doesn't give us an equation or a checklist to fill out. Actually, Scripture tends to warn us about trying to fill out checklists because what we if we do it, I met my quota for today. We'll get prideful about it. It'll become a religious thing. But if it's a relationship, how do you, how do you quantify how much time you spend with someone you love? Or make an equation out of it? But you know it's absolutely necessary. But it's hard to put an exact time on it. Let's move on to Bible reading. Similar thing. Is there any doubt that Bible reading is essential for us? No. Scripture. I could, I could pick a lot of different scriptures to emphasize how much we should focus on Bible reading, but just a convenient one, Joshua chapter one, meditate on the God's Word day and night. Many verses saying to the point that it's part of your heart, it's part of, it renews your mind. Absolutely essential, no question. Interestingly though, Jesus warns the Pharisees in John chapter five, Towards the end of it, in verses thirty-nine and forty, he tells them, "You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they that speak of me." So if if we are looking at Scripture and we're saying, "Wait, oh well, yeah, I'm reading the Scripture," but if we're doing that apart from Christ, it just becomes a textbook or an academic book. You know, it doesn't really—it's not going to help us. Unless we realize part, that's part of our personal relationship with God. Searching the scriptures for eternal life, but ignoring Christ doesn't work. It's exactly what he's warned, warned us against. It should be part of getting to know an actual real God who's actually personally there. How much do I do? What program do I follow? I'm not against programs at all. I, I want to make sure I do clarify. I'm not against structures programs those can be very helpful i just get concerned i know of my own experience and i would share with you but concern when we if we get too stuck on formats and programs it turns into religious duties and it's not really a relationship we don't really conduct relationships like that in everyday life can you imagine my friends uh let me book you some time in here and then you know this is all i have you know you we don't do that. We know we know that's not how relationships work. I'm not going to tell you a specific amount of scripture. I know I went through times, um, went through a program reading through the Bible in a year. That was great. That was really good for me. Other people got a little bit behind, and then when they tried so hard to catch up, they got very discouraged and said, this is a chore. This is too hard and ended up quitting. And would have been just better just to keep on reading. Even if you didn't make the program, it would have been better just to read at the pace that they actually could. So I don't know the exact formula to give you of how much Scripture should read every day, every week, whatever. But I do know we're supposed to learn it to the degree that it starts renewing our mind, changing our hearts, becomes a part of us. That's the goal giving I mentioned before so giving is that, is that a personal thing well Matthew 6 warns us about giving for other people to see and it warns us about giving even warns us about our right hand knowing what our left is doing it warns us about internal pride of giving so it's not about it's not to impress other people it's not to impress ourselves and it, it better be between us and God So giving is a personal part of our relationship. Second Corinthians chapter 9, I'll go ahead and read this section for you, 6 and 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Quick question for you. How can you be cheerful if you don't know the one you're given to? If we don't have that personal walk with God, it's going to be hard for us to be happy about giving to what He's doing. Hard to be cheerful if you don't know who you're given to. And I will tell you, I absolutely do believe in tithing and scripture refers to tithes and offerings. I believe in tithing and I believe in giving extra offerings. But I do love that this is and I will tell you in context, Second Corinthians, he's talking to a group who had already committed to give generously and they were already giving a gift, and he's but he reassures them to not do so under compulsion to do what you have decided between you and God to do in your heart. I love that. That's that that's reassuring because if it's just again, if it's just I have to do this out of a religious duty. It doesn't have the full impact that it does. God loves a cheerful giver. I will note, though, I love that verse 7, but it's connected to verse 6, too. can't ignore that one. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if I sow sparingly and then I expect to reap generously... I'm gonna be disappointed. It's not how, not what he says. So this message is not meant to make you feel guilty or try to make you do something, but I always want to make sure I'm making you aware of, yeah, I love that, I love that one verse, but it's still connected to the verse before it. We gotta have them all in context. And I can tell you from personal experience, walking with the Lord, you can get excited about giving. It can turn into, that's the best money I spend. I, I'll tell you that, that is the best money I've spent is giving to the kingdom of God. I think that is the most effective. Uh, when I look back on my life, I'm going to be, I'm glad I did that. I wasn't planning to share this story, but it fits, so I'll share it. At one point, I had, uh, I'd had a medical surgery and they they offered for me to do a commercial for the doctor. I had had, uh, I had had eye surgery and they said, why don't you come in and interview? We'd like for you to do, possibly be in the next TV commercial. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, pro- I guess I could have been good at it maybe, but I ran into a problem. What part of what you're supposed to do is say it's the best money you ever spent. And I wasn't okay with that, saying that. I don't feel I could say that in good conscience because the best money I've spent has been given to the Lord and I did not end up in that commercial as you might guess that was the end of my uh, advertising career I guess but that's okay because you got to be truthful about about that the best money I've ever spent has been for the, for the Lord not for something some luxury for me we talked about three main parts of a relationship with the Lord prayer prayer's great Bible reading's great Giving is great. You can, We can know the Lord. We can be cheerful in this. So what stops us? Because it don't... I can make this sound easy, but don't a lot of us wish we were better at these points? I do. Don't we all wish we were better at these things? So what stops us? I'm going to, again, look at three things. Time. I don't have time for prayer or Bible reading. Ever feel that way? It's an honest feeling. Maybe we've been approaching it with the wrong mindset, though. Because if someone came to you and said, um, "You know, I just don't have. I know. Um, yeah, I know my relationship with my spouse. Yeah, I know my marriage is important, but I just don't have time for for my spouse." Would, would might you be a little concerned about that relationship? If somebody came to you and said that you're going. Well, that doesn't sound good at all. You have to make time if you value that relationship, you make it you make time for that for your spouse. Are we not called the bride of Christ We inherently know I can ask anybody, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you better invest time in your marriage important relationship you probably all what what if we have that same mindset in our relationship with God? Well, of course, I have time to spend with God because. That's a relationships important to me. I love him. I'm going to spend time with God. And isn't that a lot less legalistic than what we tend to do of trying to finish, mark off checklists? Or I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who's approached a walk with the Lord as at some point in the past as a checklist, and still tempted to at times to say, "Well, I'm doing well." Okay, that's not how. It's not. That's not. That's not really how it works imagine if I said, well, I did oh, you know, I spent a lot of time with my wife last month. I'm doing great. That doesn't mean I stopped this month you know, spending time with her. I'm not married only one day a week. It's not like I only give her I, I well, I give her one day and then the rest I ignore or I spent 15 minutes this morning spending time with her so I'm good for the rest of the day. We, we do that with prayer and Things we do that with our walk with the Lord, but that we don't do that in any other relationship. We don't set a quota and say, "Well, I'm good now; I can just forget about that person existing for the rest of the." We don't. We don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because relationships are not equations. You can't. Well, if I just do the right, if I just do certain things, it'll it'll work. I, I'll be honest with you, and I don't know if. I don't know if this will offend anybody or not, but I'm just telling you my experience. I have had people come to me or been in classes or done things where people are like, hey, I have this marriage book and you, you have got to implement this in your marriage. I want to just share this with you. Look at all this, look at this program, look at these steps. I've had multiple people come to me and do that. I've been in a marriage class with a pastor and his wife and go through all these programs and steps and Maybe not your experience, my experience. They're all divorced. That pastor and his wife ended up divorced after doing a marriage class. The other couples wanted to give me books, ended up divorced. Does it mean the books are wrong? No. Are the books bad? No. But relationships are not equations and programs. They're honest back and forth communication. Don't make I don't make light of what happened to them, but it's just if it's just books and programs, it, it, it doesn't tend to last. It's got to become. It's got to mean something to you at some point. I've kind of already touched on this. The next area is religion. I'm just going to kind of summarize that because we all know if we just approach prayer, and Bible reading. And giving like a religious duty. It's not enjoyable. It's boring or draining or something we dread. Try to make excuses for not doing. Causes us anxiety. Maybe, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe we always feel like I'm never doing enough. That's a terrible feeling to place to be at. I feel like I'm never doing enough. What if we changed that and said, there's not really a quota that's enough. It's an ongoing relationship. Prayer and spending time. Our walk with the Lord is part of our life. Not a checklist. Not a group of religious duties. Not. It's an ongoing. We might actually start enjoying it. Right? Prayer could be fun again. Bible reading could be can be encouraging Giving can be cheerful. Our walk with the Lord does not have to be a depressing religious practice. It can be if we're not careful. It doesn't have to be. It can be enjoyable. I love I love that uh, testimony Rick gave. He's seeing God work in his everyday life. God does that. That's fantastic. That's a good place to be. You're realizing that God's active in your life. That's awesome. But kind of built on my point, I don't think I could have wished for a better intro than that testimony, Rick. I really appreciate that. But what the next thing that holds us back is guilt. And boy, this is a big one. I want a personal relationship with God, but what I've done in my past... What I'm still struggling with. Why would God want me? That's a huge hindrance. If you're in a relationship with anybody, friend, loved one, whatever, and you think they don't really want you around, that relationship's gonna be strained. That's gonna be hard. What do we tend to say? Well, I'll get serious about my personal walk with the Lord after I overcome this issue. That's backwards. You know something I had not really noticed in the Lord's Prayer until taking a closer look at this? If you go back to Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer, or even the account of it in Matthew or whatever, He asks forgiveness for sins and asks for deliverance and growth right there in the Lord's prayer. In his example of here's how you pray, it includes that you're still dealing with sin. Right there in the prayer. So wait a minute, if I'm supposed to wait until I'm perfect and then I'm going to have this relationship with the Lord, why is it in his example prayer? Saying, hey, you're still going to need to repent. You're still going to need to grow. You're still going to be struggling with things. Okay, doesn't stop the reality of your relationship with the Lord. Doesn't have to hold you back. He built it into his example prayer. Is that making excuses or light of it? No, but it's real. There is always going to be imperfections in every relationship you have. And that includes our walk with the Lord because we're involved and we're not perfect. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for growth and deliverance. We keep on having relationship with the Lord. That's what fuels us to be able to do ministry. So we're walking into these chapters, this next chapter of our church. Right? It's an exciting chapter of our church that we are going. We're going to be doing things. But every step of the way, I want you to remember, we got to have that personal walk with the Lord we can't start replacing it with doing stuff. Otherwise, we're gonna end up, like Martha, frustrated. Lord. Isn't, it starts off, she's frustrated with her sister, and then she ends up frustrated with God. Frustrated with the people that aren't helping me, then it tra- transfers into, Lord, don't you appreciate all I'm doing for you? Is basically what it, what it ends up. But, hey, tell her to come help me, don't you care? And Jesus reply. Could have gotten offended, but he didn't. He just speaks to the heart and says, you're worried about a lot of things, but there's only one thing you need. Mary's figured it out, and it's not going to be taken away from her. And you hang on to that personal walk with the Lord, you're you're going to never lose what you gain from that. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come up for a, um, what are you wanting to do for, okay, let's have a little time. I want to give, I want to give a closing, give a closing invitation here because there is actually a real live God that wants a relationship with you and it will change your life. It will give you a confidence Uh, Keevan was preaching this morning, Henderson, Jesus is the key. That's absolutely true. There is a confidence that comes from, I belong to the Lord. Even the bad things that happen in my life have purpose. That's incredible. The world's trying to figure out some way to make that true. And God just offers and says, yes, you can know me. And those things in your life, you'll look back and start seeing how things work together. I was contemplating yesterday there's was a time in my life at the end of high school a, a good trusted friend of mine gave me a prophetic word hey, in, in 10 years from now you're going to be really happy and you always got to be careful when people give you a prophetic word and they put a date on it yes, you always got to be careful 10 years later was one of the worst years of my life and I thought wow, this guy missed it I mean, it was... It was rough. There was a couple of breakups that hurt groups of friends. There was uh first job I had ever had. I worked there for years. I was laid off right in the middle of that year. That was a rough year. But that year laid groundwork for the next two, three, four years of how I ended up meeting my wife Tracy and how I ended up restored with those friendships and how... Now I look back on it and go, I, I absolutely needed that year to happen. And the Lord took those things and I ended up with a new job that helped me get on a path that ended up in the next job. And things I learned from broken relationships helped me have healthy ones. And you start realizing how God has worked. And this is, this kind of thing is what the world wishes they could figure out, how to appreciate the things that happen in their life. But God, our walk with God does it all the time. It gives you an identity. Nothing that, you could find causes or hobbies in this world, but there's when you're a child of God, that is the best identity you ever have. As is who you are. Fail at times, yes. At times you'll you'll see you'll see victories, you'll see defeats, but you are a child of God, start to finish once you belong to the Lord and it gives you the fuel to do ministry you're sharing with others and how can you introduce somebody to someone that you don't know we have a mission statement for this church to know God and make him known if I don't know somebody somebody's a stranger to me can I introduce someone else to, to them no I can't, I can't tell you anything about that person I don't know them we got to know God if we're going to share Him with other people. So I'm going to wrap this up with two questions, and I would love we are we're going to share communion together. I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Chad to to close with communion, and what a what a be, what better way to close off uh, a time of talking about our personal relationship with God than than sharing communion, his body and his blood sacrificed for us individually, not just a church, not a nameless crowd of church people individually. First of all, do you know the Lord in the first place? If you're here or you're watching online or listening at a later time, whatever, go, I would love to have this relationship you're talking about, but yeah, it's a, is it available? Yeah, it's available to you communion is the very thing that we reminds us the sacrifice he made jesus paid for your sins individually specifically if it was just kind of a blanket thing maybe it's hard to mean something but he did it personally and he loves you he offers that relationship and he offers it in a way where well what if i i've I've messed up i fail him Isn't that the beauty of relationships? Is that we can move forward and keep on and and, and overcome those things that, yeah, maybe we hurt each other, but then we we forgive and we move on. That's the beautiful thing about relationships. Second is you already know the Lord, but you need to renew your personal walk with Him. Either of these apply. I'd be happy to pray with you. The rest of the elders, be happy. With you. Pastor Chad, the rest of the elders, happy to pray with you. I'm actually going to lead us in a prayer here. And if you need prayer for anything, these things, anything else, always feel for, feel free to come forward, pray, talk with us afterwards, whatever. We we will we we will figure out a way to meet with you and pray with you. We are a praying church but I want to pray over this very thing. I want you to consider your personal walk. And this is not a message for you to feel guilty and, oh, I need to go home and start a regiment. Maybe a structure would help you. But the thing that would really encourage me is to hear you say, I have a... Genuine personal walk with the Lord and I talk to him and I learn about him from his word and he speaks to me through his word and he speaks to me in prayer and that is that's the thing that just gets you excited is when someone has a genuine walk with the Lord so let's pray together Lord we come before you now thank you for this word thank you for the awesome privilege of knowing you in our daily lives and Lord I pray right now anybody coming in contact with this message that doesn't know you however they're listening or watching lord holy spirit i ask you to bring salvation bring conviction i'm just going to give i'm just going to give a sinner's prayer it's as simple as saying lord i believe you died for me i believe you paid for my sins I want you to be the Lord of my life I want to serve you and know you I accept Jesus you paid for my sins and I want to follow you and if you're hearing this and you need to renew commitment just, just pray with me Lord thank you Lord for saving us Thank you that we know you. Forgive us, Lord, if we've neglected you or we've been impersonal to you or if we've treated you like a a chore instead of the joy of walking with you. Lord, forgive us. Help us to move forward with a genuine relationship with you because we love you and find that joy of spending time with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: All right, praise the Lord. Great word, brother going to close with communion this morning hallelujah how many miss communion (laughs) hallelujah if we could um do we have the um we're going to take a few minutes to make sure everybody is served who would like to take communion make sure you um serve the worship team in the cafe as well if they'd like to join us and so we're going to take a few minutes here Give everybody a chance that would like to join us in communion. <clears throat> I've been praying over the weekend about this uh, special time of communion. How many know that? Um, this is the one unique thing in the body of Christ that the entire world who um, have committed their life to following Christ do together. Unified together, the body of Christ, all those who have put their trust in Christ, we're all united by this one thing, communion. And so that's why it's special and that's why it's important and that's why... Um We need to get back to it. Hallelujah, We had a lot of dust that cleared here over the last several months, and we were derelict not to do it. But I, as I was praying, there was two things that came to my mind that I want you to really consider. And the first one is examination and the second one is efficacy. That'll take me a second to explain efficacy. That's not a common word we use every day, but examination. The Bible says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord that's a scary phrase and what that means is that if we don't understand the body and blood of christ um, there's no hope that if we don't understand the power of his blood the purpose of his broken body then uh, we don't have any hope and there's a purpose in communion and he says this is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep but here comes the remedy if we were to judge ourselves we would not come under judgment when we are judged by the Lord we are being disciplined by him so that we will not be condemned with the world so this is where examination comes in as I read in a second we take the body of Christ has everybody been served? good checked in the cafe as we take the body of christ uh we want to examine we all are familiar with the doctor's appointment and if you do it well and you do it right you'll remember all the elements you had over the course of the year and if you have a good doctor he'll ask you he'll say what are the things that you've noticed over the course of the last year well i'm not sleeping well I've got a pain in my ankle, I've got a pain in my knee, I've got, you know, sometimes my heart flutters the wrong way, you know. Uh, well, is this regular, is that regular? You know what I'm talking about. And he said, as often as you meet, that's the mandate and that's the challenge for us as a church, that we should examine ourselves. And if we examine ourselves then the body of Christ will be more healthy. That means we won't be weak, we won't be sick, and we won't fall asleep because we're examining ourselves like the Lord asked us to do, so we won't be judged like the world is. That means exactly what the sermon Jason preached. We need to take this time, and we'll take a moment as we take the body, and we'll examine the body, the body of Christ, and we'll say... Lord, this is personal. This is very personal, Lord. What is it? Did we serve the nursery? Great. Lord, what is it that um, in me needs your attention? This is direct. This is you and the Lord. This is uh, a relationship he was talking about. Maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord, and that's taking it in an unworthy manner. That means you need to... Make a commitment to Christ. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Make that commitment and follow it up with water baptism. How many know that's the basics of the gospel? Or maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you through this, and God has put us there for that purpose. But we're going to take a moment. In fact, I'm going to take just a little time when we take the body, and then we're going to pray over you. And how many know the body of Christ needs prayer, not only locally, but to everybody this morning that's taking it together. Second thing I want you to examine when we take the blood. I may have ever heard of vaccine efficacy. You know, you're, <laughs> you're in pharmacy, you know. This vaccine didn't have the greatest efficacy numbers, meaning the percentage or ability to uh, make you not get COVID again. How effective is it? And how many know that the blood of Christ has 100% efficacy when it comes to sin? That means there's enough grace in that blood. There's enough mercy in that blood. There's enough love in that blood that, uh, like you were talking about this morning, Rick, it's already built into God's plan of mercy. How many know that? So we're going to take a moment when when we drink the The blood of the new covenant and we're going to ask ourselves, how is the uh, efficacy of this blood how effective is it and it's not because the blood doesn't have power if it's not working it's because we don't understand the power of his blood we don't understand his grace we don't understand his mercy we don't understand his plan if it doesn't have the power to remove all guilt if it doesn't have the power to change, if it doesn't have the power to restore. And so as often as you meet, examine how effective the blood of Christ is. So if you would, take that um, bread, and I, I know it's kind of a trick there to get it open. Everybody have it open. Let's see it. I don't want to get ahead of anybody. I don't want anybody fumbling around. We've had plenty of time to get it out, right? Let's get it out. Everybody let me know that everybody's ready. Is everybody ready? We're going to pray and I'm just going to let them play quietly and I'm going to take some moments. Because I want you to take that body what represents the blood of or the body of broken body of Jesus Christ and I'm going to read this. And then we're just going to take a few quiet moments to examine ourselves. Not to be thinking about other people or other things. Just say, "Lord, where do I need healing?" So I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be asleep. So help me, Lord, in this area. We're going to pray over you today. And how many know there's a power? There's a power in the communion and in the blood and in the body of Christ. There's a special blessing with communion. How many know that? So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to take it together and pray. And I'm going to give you a few moments to examine. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. Father right now. Holy Spirit descend upon this place. Let us examine Lord everything about us Lord where we're weak, where we're sick, where we're asleep. Reveal to us Lord Jesus by the power of your spirit Lord God and bring healing right now to the body of Christ Lord to every person that's here. Lord, bring healing to the body. Lord, God, wake up, heal, make whole. Lord, I pray for this body specifically, that your healing power would come over them. Lord, you would awaken, Lord, those who are asleep. Lord, I pray for the body of Christ all around the world. I pray with all of our other brothers and sisters in this city, in our state, in our nation, in our world, Bring healing to your body, Lord God, today. Oh, we pray right now, Lord. And Father, just let them examine themselves right now, Lord, quietly and personally. every uh, area that you're broken every area where we need the Lord's grace and mercy and truth and help and uh, how many know the cure is in the blood and uh, as we take this new covenant I pray that God would minister his grace mercy, his love And um, as you drink this symbol, I pray that God would just begin to pour out his love into the church. Hallelujah. His grace, that you would know it deeper, greater than you've ever known, His grace and mercy and love. Hallelujah. Let's take it together. Let me read it. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me read In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whatever you eat, whenever you eat this blood and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take it together. Heavenly Father, right now, fill us, Lord. Lord, you love us with an everlasting love, Lord. It is only by your grace which we stand, Lord God. Oh, Father, right now, Pour out healing and wholeness. Lord, um, give strength to everyone who is weak. Power to the powerless, Lord God. Father, to overcome everything this world has ever thrown at us, Lord. Oh, Father, right now pour your strength upon your church, upon your people. Lord, give us a fullness of your grace and mercy and love and truth. Father, fill us right now, oh, with your Holy Spirit. Let it overflow into our homes, to our communities, Lord. Your love. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Thank you. Everybody said amen. Now let's take just a moment to worship and then we'll close in a word of prayer. The Lord. You know, uh, for a moment, I don't know if you have these moments, but uh, I was raptured in God's presence, and I forgot you were here. <laughs> I actually opened my eyes and thought I forgot they were here. I mean, it happens to you. Hallelujah! That's that's what John called uh, being caught up in the Spirit boy is that a precious moment hallelujah let's close in prayer Father we, uh, we love you so much and Lord uh, we uh, we have eaten your meat today Lord we have sat at your table Lord and you have filled us full Lord and Lord we thank you Lord for your hospitality the outpouring of your spirit Lord, your grace, your mercy, your truth, everything that you give us. Lord, you don't give us scraps, you give us the best, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for that, Lord. Bless your people. Put your spirit upon them and let it flow. Holy Spirit, flow in their life. Speak to them and through them. And bless them, Lord, all through the week, Lord back into your house full as when they left lord god in your name we pray lord jesus and everybody said